0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Greens beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I'm your host, beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today, I wanted to talk about your skin as an organ and its primary role as an organ, which is to act as a barrier. So every time I bring up this topic, I'm reminded of a phrase that is often used by beauty editors and writers. You've probably read this phrase before. You've probably read this phrase in one of my stories before. And the phrase is, your skin is your largest organ. I think it's brought up so much because it's easy to forget that your skin is an organ. We so often see our skin as a means to an aesthetic end. So we treat our skin as such and we go overboard on products. We try tools and ingredients that do more harm than good. We try to change it so I can look a certain way way without thinking about the potential consequences on its health. And in doing all of these things, we aren't respecting it as an organ and one that has a purpose outside of what it looks like. All organs have roles they perform to keep us healthy. We know this. Your lungs take in oxygen, your heart pumps blood, your gut digests nutrients, and your skin Well, your skin acts as a living dynamic shield, keeping all the good stuff in and the bad stuff out. It's called your skin barrier function. It may sound simple enough, right? Your skin is a barrier. I think that is something that we all know to be true instinctively, but it's actually far more complicated than that. So I asked a dear friend and Mind Buddy Green Collective member to come and explain it to us. Board-certified dermatologist Dr. Whitney Bowe is one of the first dermatologists that I started working with as a young beauty editor. I have always been so impressed about how forward-thinking she is about skin and skin care. She was one of the first modern dermatologists to really start talking about. The role of diet in acne. She was also talking about the skin microbiome well before it was trendy. And if you follow her on any of her social channels at Dr. Whitney Bowe, if you're curious, you know that she takes skin care from a science forward approach. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome Whitney.
1: Hey, Alex, thank you so much for having me. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Well, I mean all of it. I am always blown away by everything that you talk about and... And everything that you have put out into the world about skin, you know, you talk about these things way before it becomes mainstream. So I want to lay the groundwork about the skin barrier before we get into the nitty gritty. I think it's always so important that we understand the basics before we go any further. So this may seem like a simple question, but what do we mean by skin barrier?
1: So the skin barrier is basically our outermost layer of the skin, and it functions like a protective shield. It's basically our interface between our body and the outside world, right? So, you know, you can think about a healthy skin barrier sort of like a bouncer at a nightclub, right? Standing at the door, and he sees this line of people that really want to get into the club, right? And, you know, he'll go one by one and decide, yes, this person is right, this person can enter, or no, I'm gonna have to block you. You know, you're not allowed in, right? and that's what a healthy skin barrier does when it's functioning properly. Sure. You know,
0: it's it's very selective. I do want to talk about how this functions in real life. You know, what are we seeing when your skin barrier is functioning optimally? Like what does that look like in real life? And then on the other side, what does it look like when skin barrier is not functioning optimally? What sort of signs can people look out for?
1: when the skin when the skin barrier is functioning when it's actually doing its job it's able to trap moisture in and hold that moisture in the skin right so it keeps the skin hydrated but then it's able to prevent or block irritants and potential pathogens so it's basically able to prevent both infection and inflammation so when the skin barrier is not functioning properly when it's when it's I call it leaky. So, yeah, yeah. Alexina, I love this. I think this. That's sort of if you call leaky skin. You think sure. about leaky skin is sort of like it's just not able to to really be selective and be smart, and so all of these things are coming in that really shouldn't be coming sure. in. And in real life, that can manifest in a number of different skin conditions, depending on your genetic predisposition. Okay. So you know, if you have leaky skin, that can show up as. Acne, sensitive skin, rosacea, mm. eczema, psoriasis. But Alex, it can also show up as just accelerated aging. You, yeah. you can start to see just more fine lines, wrinkles, dull skin, uh, uneven tone, hyperpigmentation, loss of elasticity. So, you know, we, the skin barrier, we're learning in the last couple of years how critical it is. Like now there's beautiful science showing that that skin barrier is so important for all of these skin conditions you know that that seem very different you know when you look at them on the skin but actually Mm. at the core maintaining a healthy barrier is so critical to all of them.
0: I think that's so fascinating because you're right all of these skin conditions they do present themselves in a variety of ways you know rosacea you might have flushing you might have texture issues with acne you know we know the classic signs of acne with big breakouts but then it's you see it presented and you know like you said dullness and just even basic things like that and they can all trace back to your barrier function so it just really goes to show just how vital this is but i do want to bring up to your point that so often people think that if they're not seeing the damage in that moment then they kind of don't think about it you know if if you if you have a breakout you're immediately like oh that's an indication that something's going wrong I need to fix this. But if you don't have those signs, if you're not genetically predispositions to any of those conditions, you might not be paying attention to it. But that doesn't mean it's not happening, and that doesn't mean you're not going to see it later in premature aging. Can you talk a little bit more about that and just the the importance of paying attention to this? Because even if you're not noticing it now, it is harming your skin in the long run.
1: It's so true, and I love that you brought that up because – you know, it's one of those things that we think, I think I'm always thinking about prophylaxis and prevention.
0: So you just heard Dr. Bo say prophylaxis. Let's take a quick second to define this. It's simply an action taken to prevent a disease. Consider this preventative medicine.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think that in traditional medicine, you know, doctors are there to sort of put out fires. It's like, there's a problem. Let's throw a prescription at it. Yeah. You know, but really, if we could take a step back and counsel people and educate people to take care of their skin you know in a prophylactic way in a preventive way mm. we can help prevent not only accelerated aging in the future which everybody cares about yeah. you know, how old you are you know, but we can prevent you know even other development of other skin conditions like sure. the development of sensitive skin the development of allergies like you know it is so important to really maintain a healthy skin barrier to you know, to think about that 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 version of you ten years yeah. ahead—that's going to be dealing with these skin problems—and all of a sudden you can't go and, and and test out products the way your friends can because now you have quote unquote sensitive skin and you react to everything, and now it's a huge problem in your life, like what can we do today to prevent that from happening and the number one thing you can do is actually you know really pay attention to your skin barrier because when the skin barrier is not functioning even if it's not overt like you were saying even if you're not seeing these via signs there's this chronic low-grade microscopic inflammation
0: Mm. jumping in here to give you a quick note about chronic low-grade inflammation Bo just told us that it contributes to premature aging. This is a term that's known as Inflammaging, or how inflammation accelerates our aging process.
1: So when, like me, I love looking at things under the microscope, you know, I love thinking about, like, I love doing stains and looking at pathology and histology and, you know, I know that when the skin barrier is even slightly compromised, a patient may just sort of go about their business thinking everything's fine. But there's this whole inflammatory cascade and all of these inflammatory cytokines that are actually creating this slow burn, this, this low boil right yeah. underneath the surface that's basically setting you up for problems down the road.
0: Yeah. You've mentioned a few things that I have piqued my interest and we will we will get back to later, especially the sensitive skin and sensitized skin. I think that is an area that is ripe for discussion, especially right now. But I do want to understand a little bit more about this skin barrier and how, because it's deceptively complex. You know, you kind of think like, oh, well, it's a barrier. So it's just, you know, it's just, it's there, it's your skin. But it involves a lot of different things that help it function optimally. You know, there's, there's things like the microbiome, pH, healthy fats, all these things kind of play a role in it. And it's something that even I sometimes feel like I don't fully understand. So I would love it if you could just break down all the different influences with your skin barrier for me
1: yeah absolutely so there are four main components to a healthy skin barrier and you actually touched on three of them alex i love you you're so brilliant so and this is crazy because this is the type of information alex that your your listeners are going to know this before a lot of practicing dermatologists like a a lot of dermatologists who who are actively practicing and not keeping up with the latest literature probably have this sort of old school Picture of the barrier. We were taught initially that it's this brick and mortar. Sure. I'm sure you've seen yeah. Pictures. Oh yeah. The you know, brick and, and mortar. The bricks are the dead skin <laughs> yeah. cells, and the mortar is the fat. And it's basically referring to what's called the stratum corneum. It's almost like Saran wrap. You, th- you used to think about the barrier as a sort of like dead layer sure. on the surface, you know. And just in the last couple of years, we know that it's so much more dynamic than that. There are four main components when you think about a healthy skin barrier. So the first one is is lipids, fats. So things like ceramides, cholesterol, free fatty acids, right? Okay. The second thing you have to keep in mind is pH.
0: Okay, pH. Let's take a quick trip back to chemistry class, shall we? pH refers to how acidic or alkaline something is. Water is neutral at a 7. Everything below is acidic and everything above is alkaline. Your skin is actually slightly acidic, hovering around 4.7. And this slightly acidic film on your skin is actually called the acid mantle. Okay.
1: Number three, when it comes to a healthy skin barrier is the immune system. So the skin actually has its own immune system. It's called the salt, the skin associated lymphoid tissue and that immune system has to be smart. Sure. It has to know when to react and when to dial down. And that's mm. a pet peeve of mine Alex. I feel like when people are always talking about boosting the immune system, boosting the immune system. Yeah. You know, most of the skin conditions, yes, of course there's infections. Of course yeah. we don't want to have a weak immune system. We want to be able to fight infections like COVID. Sure. Like Stay like stress. Yeah. You know, but you don't want to have an overzealous, overreactive immune system either because you know then you have too much inflammation when you don't need it and we see that a lot that's
0: like eczema right eczema has an overactive immune system it's confused it's reacting
1: to things that that are not actually threats right and so your immune system is like ah what's going on and and it calls the troops and it starts revving up inflammation that's completely unnecessary and actually doing more harm than good and then the fourth component to a healthy skin barrier is the most important, which is the skin microbiome. So you know our skin is covered in trillions of microscopic organisms—bacteria, viruses, fungi. Mm-hmm. they that, that actually, Alex, impact those other three. The reason yeah. I think the most important part is because the microbiome is going to impact it if you, depending on what strains of bacteria you have on your skin, some of them are going to tell your own skin cells to make more ceramides.
0: Sure. Yeah,
1: many of they're going to a lot of them through the process of fermentation are going to create and secrete slightly acidic molecules that actually create your acid mantle. Wow! Right, and and your immune system is the great educator. That your your microbiome is the great educator when it comes to your immune system.
0: Okay, because your
1: (sighs) microbiome teaches your immune system when to react and when it's not worth reacting interesting it's like you're it's it's the mentor to your immune system when you have a healthy robust microbiome then you have a smart immune system
0: that's so fascinating i didn't i mean i knew that your microbiome was like influenced your immune system on some level but i thought it was just because it was crowding out pathogens but it's like literally teaching your immune system
1: Oh, absolutely. The so our about seventy to eighty percent of our immune system resides in our gut. Yeah. But we also have that skin associated lymphoid tissue, the skin's immune system. And there's this constant crosstalk between our microbes and our immune cells, where the microbes are actually telling our immune cells when it's important to react and when it's not. And there's there's this very ongoing molecular conversation between our microbiome and our immune system that is absolutely critical to developing a healthy immune system. And that's, you know, it's it's so fascinating. There are conditions that we study, rare conditions that we study in the field of dermatology where you don't have a healthy microbiome, you know, or we'll study animal models, mice that are, you know, that are microbiome free. They have no microbiome and they have no immune system. Like their immune system has no idea what to do because they don't have the microbiome that's teaching the immune system. So you end up with these microbiome-free mice or humans and their immune system is not functioning properly. So yes, they're absolutely, there's amazing crosstalk between the microbiome and the immune system.
0: I I definitely want to come back to that about how you can support your microbiome. But one thing that I that we're seeing a lot now. And I wanna get your take on so much of what we're talking about now. It's, you know, do you have a product that's formulated with a more acidic pH or at least a a pH balanced formula? Or, you know, you have products that claim barrier support, or they're products that have some sort of microbiome friendly ingredients. And I I really see this in the beauty industry in such a major way. And I wanna get your take on why this is happening right now and also like what parts of it are are just trendy like maybe there's isn't the research behind it and what parts of it are solid can you like help us decipher this moment in beauty right now because it's like yeah. it's everywhere
1: it's everywhere everywhere you turn there's a product claiming to be microbiome friendly support the microbiome the word probiotic is on sure. every label yeah. under the sun and now everybody's talking about a barrier right yeah. healthy skin barrier yeah those concepts are not going anywhere. Those yeah. are not trends, right? so yeah. we we know now, based on the explosion research in this area, that the that having a healthy barrier, having a healthy, diverse, robust microbiome and having a, a healthy pH that's slightly acidic on the skin, those are core principles to healthy skin. like those those concepts are absolutely here to stay. The trendy part of it is that sometimes, The dermatologist and the scientists to sort of understand the microbiome and the skin barrier are not effectively communicating with the brands and the products. So you get these products that are coming out and they're saying barrier repair Mm -hmm. or you know supports a healthy microbiome, and maybe they throw a prebiotic in there. Sure, but then there's thirty plus botanical ingredients that dermatologists and scientists know mm. are weakening and compromising the skin barrier. You know, sure. there's this there's this false sense when we think about like natural, mm.
0: yeah. there's
1: this false sense that natural is inherently safe and good for, for your body. And I believe me, I love eating natural, I love eating organic, but that's not necessarily true when it comes to the skin, especially the skin barrier. Yep. So you have a lot of these brands that you know sort of are are preying on on consumer naivete and and putting ingredients in there that 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 people can read they they recognize them they turn around the inky list and they're reading that oh I know sure. what that is I could eat that right this trend of edible skincare drives me crazy because <laughs> things that you can eat are not necessarily yeah good for your barrier and and dermatologists scientists like we know that some of the the most dangerous ingredients when it comes to the skin barrier, these allergens, these irritants, are unfortunately in a lot of these yeah. you know, botanical extracts and essential oils. Yeah. You know, that the consumer sort of thinks and assumes like, oh, these must be wonderful for my skin. So just because it's got a prebiotic in it, but then if the other ingredients in there are actually destroying your barrier, it's like. It's, yeah, what are you. Benefits. So there's the marketing buzz. And then there's the understanding behind like what's actually in that formulation. And I think I think it's a combination. I, I think I'm giving the companies a benefit of the doubt when I say <laughs> that they're just not communicating sure. with the scientists. Some of them, you know, you have a marketer who's like, look, you know, I know that consumers are are gonna Google, they wanna look for natural and they wanna look for microbiome and they wanna look for probiotics. So I'm gonna put a whole bunch of natural ingredients that some of them may be great for the skin and some of them sure. may be terrible for the skin. Sure. I'm gonna combine them with, you know, other ingredients that that are that are basically postbiotics, but we're gonna call them probiotics because we don't want to we don't want to have to educate the consumer about a prebiotic versus a probiotic versus a postbiotic so we're just going to throw the word probiotic because on because no, the consumer
0: there. knows that they know that word it's a buzzword they understand yeah. it so yeah we won't we'll just make this easy for everyone
1: and we kind of know it's hurting the skin barrier but like most people are going to probably not put that together and this is what they're going to buy right yeah. so so you know, the marketers and the product developers sometimes they're thinking like You know what can we put out there that's gonna sell and they look at the market research and they look at the search terms and what people are looking for and they develop based on that you know so sometimes it's a conscious decision to ignore the science but sometimes and i you know i i am approached by so many different companies who you know hey dr bode try my product and if you love it you know talk about it on good morning america right so i'm 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 like hey like let me hop on the phone with your scientists and, and your researchers and sometimes honestly even the founders even the the core members of the team of that brand don't even understand the mm. nuances of the skin barrier, so they actually think they're doing something really great for the skin barrier. And then we start breaking down the ingredient list, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that I was." Doing. So, so some yeah. of the time it's a it's a very, you know, strategic decision. You do sort of capitalizing on the market buzz, and sometimes it's it's a real sort of naivete because the science is so new. It really is. You know, so it's evolving. You still Google skin barrier. We still see that brick and mortar come yep. up, right? Like, yeah. It's, it's all over the web. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, this moment in beauty is interesting because the products are developing right alongside the research. You know, we are seeing such exciting developments in the products. And it's exciting to see movement. And it's exciting to see people pay attention to the barrier. But we are learning so much and we're learning so much every day, it feels like, that sometimes they're not on par and they're not matching each other. And that's where you get into trouble sometimes with some of these formulations because, you know, we don't fully understand it well enough and perhaps the product developers don't fully understand it well enough to really like create something that is going to be a robust formula and a robust formula in a way that it is going to be uh, a truly, truly effective and intelligent.
1: Exactly.
0: So I want to go back to this idea of sensitive skin because, you know, we know that sensitive skin, one, it's a hot topic lately. I feel like all of my friends claim that they have sensitive skin. I feel like I get so many questions about sensitive skin. I feel that it is, you know, all over the marketplace in beauty, we are seeing so many lines come out that are marketed towards sensitive skin. And I know that our barrier and sensitive skin are very very closely
1: related. So what's the connection here? So when the skin barrier is not functioning properly, when you have leaky skin, one of the manifestations of that is sensitive skin. Yep. So sensitive skin by definition means that you have a le- you have leaky skin. Yeah. You have, you know, a damaged skin barrier. So and yes, there is an epidemic of sensitive skin happening right now.
0: Fun fact about sensitive skin, Recent surveys show that about 60 to 70% of women identify as having sensitive skin. So this is not just anecdotal. And... When we say that's an epidemic of people's sensitive skin, is it people who have naturally sensitive skin or is it kind of going back to what we've talked about? It's people who are damaging their skin and perhaps sensitizing it, which I know is something that you and I have talked about before. What's happening there?
1: It's a nuanced difference. It's worth discussing. You know, there's sensitive skin and then there's so-called sensitized skin. So, you know, sensitive skin is something that you're more genetically prone to having. There's something something structurally not working right about your skin barrier so you know the classic example is the kid who's born with eczema right they have sensitive skin you put on you know a a product that has a fragrance or has a really strong irritating preservative and they're going to sting they're going to burn they're going to have sensitive skin but then there's sensitized skin and that's really what we're seeing and that's what i'm seeing in the office you know so so when a patient comes in and they say to me you know dr Bo, my skin feels really tight or i feel like i have you know itching burning sensations when i put on even something even my my regular moisturizer that i've been using for 10 years that doesn't have any irritating ingredients in it but my skin almost feels like it's on fire you know or if somebody says they have sort of red blotchy skin rough patches or just almost develops like a sandpaper like rash like these tiny little Red bumps on the skin—all of those can be signs of sure. sensitized skin. And the first thing that I do is I say to those people, "Okay, talk me through your skincare regimen. I want to know. First of all, bring in a bring in a bag. My staff knows <laughs> to tell people bring in a bag of all the products that you're using." but also tell me about the tools that you're using are you steaming your face are you brushing your face with sure. a spin brush or using a dry brush on your body like sensitive skin isn't just our face right yeah. so like i want to know what what is your beauty routine look like and i would say 9 out of 10 times those symptoms of sensitive skin are because of something that person's doing and we can actually take control of that
0: So when that happens, when you're looking through their skincare routine, what are ingredients that you're looking out for that might be damaging? Because we know that there's a a plethora of ingredients that may have, you know, adverse effects on the skin, you know, strong preservatives, certain essential oils, all that sort of stuff. But then there's also ingredients that are typically touted as you know, good ingredients and ingredients that you do want to put on your face, anti-aging type ingredients, you know, what, can you talk us through what you're looking for when you, when you go through that makeup bag?
1: Yeah. So, so there's the, the irritating ingredients that are going to damage your skin barrier that are really not doing any good. Sure. And then there's the ones that, that are sort of worth figuring out how to use because there's a huge, huge benefit, right? So let's start with the bad guys. Yep. So, so there are three that immediately come to mind. One is drying alcohols, okay. one is harsh sulfates, mm-hmm. and the other one is fragrance. So when it comes to drying alcohols, Alex, drying alcohols during COVID is such a complicated conversation. Because, I, I know. You know, like our, <laughs> the ones that I tell people to avoid are the ones that are actually in our hand sanitizers that are protecting us, right? So, you know, hands aside, if we're just talking about the face, you know, you really wanna to try to avoid drying alcohols, especially in those alcohol-based toners. Sure. And that's something a lot of my, my younger patients or my followers on TikTok who, you know, have sort of oily, acne-prone skin, they love that feeling that they're degreasing their skin. Sure. You know, but that's, if you think about like, isopropyl alcohol, ethyl alcohol, SD alcohol, denatured alcohol, like those are drying, drying alcohols that are damaging your skin barrier. Okay, so when you never want to use those on your face. But not all alcohols are bad. They're actually hydrating alcohols too. So True. it gets a little confusing reading the label.
0: Okay, speaking of ingredient lists, yes, there are such things as hydrating alcohols. These are actually called fatty alcohols. If you're looking at your inky list, a common one to keep an eye out for is cetyl alcohol.
1: But then the sulfate. You know, sulfates are very, very damaging, whether they're in a cleanser, in a shampoo, in a body wash. So we're talking about harsh sulfates, specifically SLS and SLES. We talked back to the lipids being so important to the skin barrier. Harsh sulfates wash away those lipids. They wash them down the drain. And then fragrance, we sort of touched upon before, and you know, it's whether they're natural or synthetic, it's, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's hard to launch a product that's really, truly fragrance-free, meaning you're not including, yep. you know, synthetic or natural fragrances. But, you know, when you think about the skin barrier, really, that's the way to go. So those are those are the bad guys. Those are the ones that, they're really not doing anything good, and they're really just doing harm. So if you can avoid them, avoid them, but then you push okay. on the good guys. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yes. So, so there are what I consider some of, the most potent active ingredients in the world of skincare that are known irritants, and we know that they're damaging the skin barrier. But in my opinion, they're worth using. Yeah, so we're talking about vitamin C serums, sure, especially with L acid, we're yep. talking about retinol, and yep. actually, anything in the retinoid class. We're talking about alpha and beta hydroxy acids, so things like glycolic acid, one of my favorite products in the whole world. Now these are- like Yeah, all my know. favorites. Yeah, one of your favorites. Yeah. They have mountains of evidence showing that they can actually make the skin change and sure. evolve and transform in the most amazing way, but they they are known to damage the skin barrier. So if you're experiencing truly leaky skin, like if you're having a flare, and you feel like when you wash your face, when you put on your moisturizer, it's stinging, it's burning. Like, unfortunately, that's not the time to use any of these ingredients. I hate sure. to say it, but it's like, just put them away, put them in a drawer, don't even tempt yourself. But if you're, if you have a little bit, say that you're, you're prone to sensitive skin, say that you, you know, you're not having an active, it's not like your, your skin is on fire right now, but you also wanna be careful. You don't wanna go down that path of really damaging your skin barrier. You just have to keep in mind you don't want to layer those those ingredients. You don't want to use, say, like glycolic acid, and then put a retinol on top. Right? Sure. That's a really good rule of thumb. Yep. And the other thing to keep in mind when you're using them is to just build in recovery days. Like, mm. build, say that you're using, say, one night you use glycolic acid. Say the next night you use a retinol. Maybe the next one to two nights you don't use any of those potentially irritating active ingredients. You just use nourishing. You know barrier supportive ingredients and sure. then you cycle back on to those actives when your skin is ready
0: yeah i i love that idea of taking recovery days i think we talk about that a lot with like fitness and stuff like that but you should do it for your skin your skin needs days off from
1: potent topicals your skin barrier yes. needs recovery days <laughs> yeah. right I mean, your skin barrier needs, needs some time. Like, you you know, even the, the most, you know, accomplished athletes, the best athletes out there, they know that if they do the same workout every single day, not only do they hit a plateau and not actually see changes in their body and their speed and their performance, but they, they, it makes them more predisposed to injury. They hurt themselves. Yeah. Right. And the same thing happens with our skin. If we push the skin, if you're like. I mean, classic dermatology resident story. Every dermatology resident goes through this in the first year of residency. We discover retinoids. We discover like, oh my God, retinol is like the best ingredient out there under the sun. I have to start using it. And we all start using it every day. Cause I mean, why not, right? Sure. I want to use a retinol, I'm gonna use it every single night. And then about 10 days into doing that, every dermatologist comes to work and all the other senior residents start laughing and they're like, <laughs> uh-oh, you used your retinoid every <laughs> single day because you had rip-roaring retinoid sure. dermatitis. Oh yeah. It was flaking and red and stinging and burning, especially what I call the snout aerial, like sure. around your nose, your mouth. You know, so these ingredients are amazing, but you have to use them very carefully.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. This does beg the question of what, what sort of ingredients should you be using to help your barrier? You know, obviously, if, if you want to use a vitamin C and you want to use retinol, and all that stuff use it within moderation but what are other ingredients that we should be using to support the barrier to nurse your skin back to health you know all these things that we want to keep our barrier strong moisturized acid mantle intact etc
1: so some of my favorites are spoiling oil shea butter aloe vera aloe is, is, is remember we talked about the naturals that aren't great aloe is a great natural ingredient yeah. it's actually very good for the skin barrier health and prebiotics postbiotics can
0: you so explain important. to our, our listeners what postbiotics are because it to your point earlier it's a very new term in, in the lexicon uh, so it much is. so that i feel like most people don't even know what they are
1: Okay, so I'm going to blow your mind right now. You ready? So your listeners are going to have heard this first here. Okay. Hyaluronic acid, you know that ingredient? Oh, yeah. Alex, you're very familiar with that ingredient. Yes. Hyaluronic acid is a postbiotic. Who knew? So (laughs) hyaluronic acid, postbiotics, you take a bunch of bacteria. Yeah. You grow them up in a vat. They're alive and they're functioning and they're producing molecules. And they're secreting or releasing those molecules into their environment. Yeah. And then scientists come in and they purify that ingredient, in this case hyaluronic acid, and they separate it from the bacteria. Yeah. And the hyaluronic acid isn't alive, right? It's not sure. a probiotic. Probiotic is the living bacteria that's still in that vat, okay? But the postbiotic is what the bacteria created. Sure. And it's postbiotic is bacterial poop. <laughs> okay, that's the technical way of thinking. About it. So, hyaluronic acid, one of our favorite ingredients yes. in all the world of skincare, is getting a rebrand right here on the
0: podcast. It's a postbiotic.
1: <laughs> it's actually a postbiotic. So, postbiotics come in. That's sort of a simple, simple version. But sure. postbiotics can be ferments. They can be lysates. They can be either bacterial cells that are killed. And like shaken up, they're mm. physically broken up. They can be chemically broken up and lysed so that there are pieces of the cell wall, there's pieces of the DNA. Yeah. So it can actually be sort of like the dead material yeah. of the bacteria, right? That's one idea of a postbiotic. The other is what we talked about with hyaluronic acid, which is the poop, yep. which is basically like the bacterial metabolites. It's the bacteria is creating, it's going through all these metabolic processes, and it's creating different types of substances, and then it's pushing some of them into the environment. And if you separate the living from the non-living, that is also considered a postbiotic.
0: Yeah. So it's basically, because we know from earlier in this conversation, we know that your microbiome the, the, the bacteria on your microbiome is constantly creating things. They're secreting things. So basically, postbiotics are any of the category that those bacteria are creating. So like you said, that can include hyaluronic acid. You know, I've heard things like fatty acids, you know, like various like uh, antimicrobial peptides, like all of that sort of stuff that would fall into the postbiotic umbrella too, right?
1: Exactly. So those absolutely fall under the umbrella. But even just taking bacteria and killing them sure you can just like heating them up and killing them and putting that on the skin you know some people would argue and be like well that's that's not going to benefit anything because they're not alive right but actually quite honestly alex live bacteria in skincare is overrated sure okay you don't need the living cells nor is it practical to have them because anytime that you're looking at a cleanser, a moisturizer, a cream. There's preservatives in there, like, the mm. like good preservatives. Like, yeah. no, not all preservatives are great, but preservatives are a necessary evil to prevent contamination, absolutely, to prolong the shelf life, so that you add, to to keep the ingredients in there stable, so they actually work when you put them on the skin. Yeah. So you have a preservative in a product. There's no way yeah. you can also have a living bacteria in that same product because those preservatives are going to kill up it. So any company that's claiming to have probiotics in their cleanser, their moisturizer, like you now, now you guys are super <laughs> sad consumers. You know that that's not a probiotic. Like sure, you know let's let's actually elevate the lexicon. Let's actually define things and be honest with our consumers and tell people if something's a prebiotic. I love prebiotics. Sure. If something's a postbiotic, and if you have a living probiotic good for you but like do you really need that in skincare to see the benefits quite honestly with all the research that i'm seeing i don't i don't think that it's absolutely necessary yeah to keep those bacteria alive to see an amazing benefit on the skin
0: yeah i i love that i think that it is like this conversation that we're having is the conversation that is going to be happening in beauty next like i think it's so fascinating. And I'm totally on board with what you're saying. But I want to talk really quickly, you know, you you have mentioned leaky skin, but what we hear most often is a concept of the leaky gut. I think that is very much in the wellness space. We hear that all the time. And we also know that these two concepts are somewhat connected, leaky skin and leaky gut. Can you explain this gut skin connection?
1: Absolutely. So I talk about the gut brain skin connection in my book you know, in the media, on my social channels, I genuinely believe that the skin is a window into your overall health. So the skin, it's not, we just talked about all the ways you take care of your skin from the outside in, right? But having a healthy skin barrier and and preventing leaky skin, it's about taking a comprehensive holistic approach. And a big part of that is healing your gut. So many people are walking around with leaky gut and, you know, it's, it's interesting because as, you know, as a dermatologist that trained in the traditional way, like I went to Yale, I went to the university of Pennsylvania school sure. of medicine, like, you know, like I first heard the word leaky gut and I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> that's not a scientific term, what's leaky gut, you know? But then I started reading and understanding and absorbing all this information about leaky gut is basically intestinal permeability. It's when, you know, like our gut and our skin, are our interfaces with the outside world. Our gut encounters the outside world through what we eat and our skin just by walking around sure. right? In, in our environment. But both of them sort of have these these barriers, if you will. So both of those barriers, when they're not being treated the right way, they can get leaky. Yeah. And it's have a leaky gut because you're not eating the right way and because you're stressed out because the mind and the gut are connected. So all those things can lead to leaky gut. But when you have leaky gut, it can absolutely predispose you to leaky skin. The two are intimately connected through our immune system. Yeah. So, you know, that, that again, the, sort of the microbes, if your balance in your gut is off, if you have dysbiosis, meaning if you're eating lots of refined carbohydrates and sugars, you're not eating the right prebiotic fibers, and your gut health, it, your gut is inflamed, your, your gut barrier is not working properly, your gut is leaky. It's going to talk to your immune system. It's going to set up this whole inflammatory cascade that's going to affect your entire body, and it's going to show up in your skin. So if you have leaky gut, you are absolutely prone to leaky skin.
0: Yeah, and the connection between – this is actually something that I am never fully been able to understand. The connection between the bacteria living in your gut and living on your skin, is there a connection there? Because I've heard both sides of it. Like that the gut, the bacteria that you have in your gut influences the bacteria that you have on your skin. I've heard that that is true. And I've also heard that there isn't a connection. What do we know? Yeah,
1: There, there are very preliminary studies suggesting that the bacteria in the gut can actually impact the bacteria on your skin that science is in its infancy. Okay. What we can say with certainty right now is that they can indirectly communicate through the immune system. Okay. So you know, I think we can we can stay tuned. We'll have to reconvene. it. Okay. Probably <laughs> it'll take us about five years to really answer that question with certainty. Okay. So
0: in five um, years, same time, same place. All right, date. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about lifestyle influences. You know, you have mentioned the brain. You know, the gut skin brain connection here. So you know, we know that our mental health has a deep impact on our skin. You know, lack of sleep, all these things. Can you walk us through what are some of the major players in terms of lifestyle choices with your skin barrier function
1: so i i think it's i just recently was reviewing one of these studies that talks about the the brain skin connection i think it's really worth Talking about
0: yeah. here. Yeah, for there,
1: sure. There were these mice and these poor mice, they, they deliberately put them in overcrowded conditions. Yeah. And mice, they like their space, right? Sure. You're sort of putting all these little mice in this very, very, very tight space. It's almost like us in a pandemic with a house full of like five screaming children. Sure. Okay, so that's the level of stress that these mice are going through. So I imagine and, a lot of stress. <laughs> yes. So these poor mice they developed leaky skin. They actually measured something called transepidermal water loss. Mm -hmm. So they looked at how much water is actually being evaporated, leaving the mice skin and and their skin's getting completely dehydrated, right? Just from being stressed out. So they're drinking water all day long. You know, they're, they're using their mouse moisturizer religiously, (laughs) but you know, their skin is getting really dry and they actually develop wrinkles. So. You know, I think that that just speaks volumes to the, the, the idea that stress, whether that stress is coming from lack of sleep or, or poor sleep, like you can be in bed for a certain number of hours, that doesn't mean you're getting quality sleep during that time. So yeah. we know lack of sleep, we know lack of exercise, just the concept of living in, in a world of complete uncertainty, which is exactly how we're spending every single day right now, that is elevating our cortisol levels. It's elevating our stress hormone levels, and that is taking a tremendous toll on our skin barrier. And we know that because we study conditions where people are you know, on steroids. Like I have patients who have to take steroids, they, sure. whether they have, like, a, you know, say a kidney transplant, or you know, they're there, or they have a certain medical condition that they have to be on steroids for a long period of time. Yeah. That is very similar to what's happening to all of us in our day-to-day lives because our cortisol, our, our stress hormone levels are so high. And we know that that's gonna lead to impaired wound healing. Our skin barrier is completely gonna malfunction. We're not gonna have enough hyaluronic acid and inhibits production of collagen. Like we're gonna age more quickly. We're gonna have dry sensitive skin. Rate. We're gonna experience flares of all of our chronic skin conditions. So. You know, stress can take a major, major toll on our skin.
0: Yeah, I, even this past year, I have noticed my skin has become significantly drier. And, you know, I, I do like, I credit a lot of that to, I think, the stress of this year, the lack of sleep from this year, or the lack of quality sleep of this year, and also like the lack of movement because my skin has never felt drier. And I'm, it's truly the only thing I can point to because trust me, I am layering on my creams, but yeah. it's, you yeah. know, it's, I, I think instinctively it makes sense, but to see it in practice, but last and la- but not least, what do you use? You obviously have very glowy, glowy skin, so I'm sure everybody would want your your hot tips.
1: So when it comes to thinking about my skin, quite honestly, like I I really do practice what I preach. Sure. So I'm, I'm like always thinking about the gut, the brain, the skin connection. Yeah. So it would... It would take, if I had to sort of nail it down to the one sort of most important step that I think you can take in order to protect your skin barrier, it's to think about cleansing and moisturizing as one step. Yeah. So, like, so often people will get out of the shower and they'll, you know, dry off with a towel and they'll get dressed. Mm. And if you just took a moment and you put your body moisturizer and your face moisturizer in the bathroom and within seconds, within moments of patting dry, you immediately apply a really good moisturizer. Moisturizers are so underrated. Yeah. If you apply a really good moisturizer, you are doing such amazing things for that skin barrier. You're feeding your microbiome, you're trapping in that moisture, you're supporting your skin barrier. So I know it sounds simple and believe me, like I, You know, I could talk for hours about diet and stress and sleep and what I eat and all the skincare ingredients, you know, that I use. But if I had to distill down to like one sort of takeaway, I really feel like that can have such a huge impact on people. If they immediately after washing your hands, put on a moisturizer immediately after washing your face, put on a moisturizer immediately after getting out of the shower, put on your moisturizer and your skin barrier will thank you.
0: I love it easy tip that we can all follow, especially the hand one. I need to be better about that. I know. So I will I'll that will be my my goal for the day. Okay. And layer on that hand cream. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. I I feel like I learned a lot and I I feel like I even know a lot about the 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 microbiome and the skin barrier. So if I'm walking away feeling that I learned a lot, I hopefully this was very educational for the rest of our listeners. So thank you again for joining us. If you want to quickly tell um, everyone where they can find you so they can follow along all your great skincare tips.
1: Yeah. So I am constantly sharing tips, products, etc. on my Instagram channel. It's at Dr. Whitney Bow, at DR Whitney Bow. And I also have a TikTok channel, the same handle at Dr. Whitney Bow youtube i post videos every week so dr whitney bow on youtube and yeah and and i'll also be commenting away on the mind body green (sighs) instagram channel because we're constantly having back and forth all day long so you can see me there too well
0: we we appreciate it and we love keeping in contact with you so thank you so much for joining us today and i will talk to you soon i am sure (laughs)
1: looking forward to it thanks for having me of course
0: Hey guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, MindBodyGreen, our Instagram, at MindBodyGreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the MindBodyGreen Podcast. Thanks again. See you next week.